do what we do best, which is worship Jesus, love one another, and reach out to a lost and dying city, uh, I am so excited that we get to begin to do that again. And so today I'm calling this Vision Sunday. I want to cash fresh vision for us, reminding us why we do what we do. Why are we even here? Why do we exist? As someone said to me this last week, you know, uh, the vision for every church should be this. If your door's closed, the sh- city should notice it and be sad about it. They said, is that, is that true of your church? I said, 150%. That has always been our vision to serve our city to the place where if we were not to exist, they would miss us and they would be sad that we are not here. In fact, during COVID, I got a phone call from one of the former high school principals in the Powell Unified School District, who used to be the principal of uh, Penasquita and uh, Mount Carmel High School for 10 years and Poway High School for 20 years. He's like the mayor of PUSD now. He hired all the uh, current uh, high school principals, and we developed a friendship a number of years back, and we, the churches and the schools partnered together, and we started these parenting forums. Over 4,000 parents in the city have gone through our workshops, and... Um, we have, we have, that's just one thing we've done. We've done food outreaches and we literally, the city came to our church and said, you guys are feeding the poor better than we are. Would you be official food distribu- distribution outposts? And so we got four, three other churches in our city to become outposts as well. And now we have four. And so we have been serving and serving and serving. Anyway, he called me during COVID and said, I heard your church is uh, in Escondido now, but you're still in, right? I mean, it wasn't us calling them, asking how can we serve you. They're now calling us saying, please don't go anywhere. That's good news for us, family. And so I'll give you a little, uh, another insight about how impactful we have already been as a church in our city. So when we were meeting at Mount Carmel High School, um, they decided they were going to raise the rent for anybody using high schools or any schools 600%. That would have caused every church using any uh, middle school, elementary school, high school to literally be out on the street, including us. And so I sent a letter to the uh, business manager of PUSD as well as the uh, facilities director of PUSD, overseeing all the facilities. I sent him a letter saying, you do not want to do this. I said, we have spent 20 years, the church, Big C, has spent 20 years in North County Inland building bridges with all sorts of uh, people in the community, and we have been serving and serving. I said, here's just what our church alone has done in the last 20 years. And I, and I said, and I represent a lot of churches in our city. And I sent that to him. Well, there was a board meeting, uh, a school board meeting that was about to happen. So I decided I'm going to drive down to that school board meeting because I don't know if they, pro- they, they read the letter or anything. I'm going to go down to the school board meeting, and I'm going to stand up with, and ha- you know, have my three minutes. On the way to the board meeting, I got an email on my phone from the head of facilities and the business director of PUSD. They literally created a fourth column just for churches and gave us the same discount, just a tiny bit more than they were charged when everybody else was skyrocketed. They created a brand new column just for churches because of the way we have been serving them. Can I hear an amen? All right. So what I want to talk to you today about is this. This is the vision on Vision Sunday. It is time to rebuild. 
And I'm going to share with you today four keys to rebuilding anything. It could be your marriage. It could be your finances. It could be your career. It could be your ministry. It could be your relationships. COVID crushed so many people's dreams, lives, relationships. The political environment, the racial environment. We have just been through hell the last year and a half. Every pastor I've talked to said they cannot believe the people who have left their church. They never imagined that person or that family would ever leave in the way they left. It has been so disheartening to so many pastors. 25% of pastors right now are quitting or right on the verge of quitting. That's devastating for the church big seed. So myself and a few other pastors around the city have decided we want to gather as many pastors as we possibly can throughout San Diego County. And we're going to meet uh, in a couple of weeks. And we are just going to say we are not quitting. The future of the church has never been brighter. We are going to be more effective. We're going to shine brighter. We're going to love deeper. We're going to experience more of the presence of God and the power of God. We're going to see more people saved in San Diego than ever before. And I'm not just saying that. That's not hyper-preaching. We've been through hell. But let me tell you what happens when you go through hell. You go through the valley of the shadow of death. You pop out the other side if you went through it with Jesus. And you are going to, he's going to prepare a banquet table in the presence of our enemies. And that's going to be a banquet table of souls. We have been refined and defined. We are the true church. The believers, this is what I've heard, every pastor I'm in relationship with, and I'm in relationship with a lot of pastors around the city, every one of them says our church is smaller but better. It's more powerful because everybody's showing up, wants to be there, they're hungry, they're hungry for worship, they're hungry for the presence, and they're hungry for fellowship, and they're hungry for divine mission. And so I want to give you four keys to rebuilding anything. There's no example in the Bible better for rebuilding than the book of Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, and uh, they, they don't have, uh, we had technological issues today, and so my notes won't be up here, so you just have to be an audi- aud- aud- audible learner today only. But I'll be as dramatic as I can to give you some visuals, all right? So I want to give you the backdrop of Nehemiah because this is a devastating situation. So Babylon had taken the Jews captive and literally burnt Jerusalem to the ground. Temple gone, Solomon's temple destroyed. The walls around the city that protects you from invaders destroyed, leveled it. And they took him captive to Babylon. Nehemiah who's a Jewish slave, ends up being the cupbearer for the king. What that is, he's right next to the king, and he drinks his wine before the king does to make sure it's not poisoned so he doesn't die. So one of Nehemiah's brother, uh, Jewish brothers came up to him and said, I've got to tell you what's going on in Jerusalem. Because what happened was, after 70 years, the prophecy was fulfilled that Cyrus would allow uh, Jerusalem to rebuild their city, which is a supernatural, that an enemy king would allow you to rebuild your city. And so they rebuilt the temple, and so they were able to worship. However, the walls of Jerusalem were burnt to the ground. And if you know anything about construction, when stones have been burnt, 
the constitution of the stone is worthless. You can't rebuild with those stones. Some of you, your marriage, your finances, your spiritual walk, your friendships, they're burnt to the ground. You think there's no hope for these. Not when God's involved. When God's involved, He literally can resurrect, restore to twice the strength it was before if you depend on Him to rebuild. And that's what happened in this story here. And so Nehemiah, he heard the story that the that the, the temple has been restored. We're able to worship. However, the enemy keeps attacking us. Some of your soul realm is bro- broken down. You've been born again. You're able to commune with God. However, you, you, your mind has not been renewed to the Word of God. Your, your soul, your emotions control you. You go up and down and in and out in fear and doubt and unbelief and all of that. You haven't learned yet how to have healthy, successful relationships. You don't know what your purpose and destiny in God is. All of that is rebuilt by being part of a spiritual community, by having people be able to partner with you. The 30 for 30s, that's what that's all about, is rebuilding the walls of your soul, connecting with God on a daily basis, hearing his voice for yourself, being in Bible studies and discipleship, strengthening your soul realm, learning how to have successful relationships. And so what didn't happen when Nehemiah heard that they were being attacked and Jerusalem was not able to be rebuilt. Here's the first key to rebuilding anything. You must have a burden. Not even a vision. Vision is second. A burden is first. Why? Because without a burden, you don't have a driving force, a burning passion on the inside of you for what it is that you want to accomplish. You've got to have it. When I, when I counsel marriages and they come to me, I say, first I need to know this. Do you both want this marriage to survive? If either one of them says no, I say, well, I can't help you. You have got to have a burden for what you're wanting to rebuild. You've got to desire it deeply because you will not make it through the hard times if you don't have a burden to build whatever you're going to build. I have a burden to rebuild this house. You are my burden. And then our burden is for all of those who don't know Christ, all of those who have been de-churched and unchurched and non-churched and a-churched, We need to save this city with the gospel. We need to have a burden for every soul who has not yet said yes to Jesus. We cannot sit in our holy huddle, in our little cruise ship, and just kind of kick back and wait for the Son of God to return or for us to go see Him when we die. That is so selfish. Every person that we know, every person we see, every person we work with, every classmate we have, every coworker, everybody on your sports team, they either know Jesus or they don't know him. They're either in him or they're not in him. A burden. When Nehemiah heard about it, this was his burden. Look at this. So it was in Nehemiah 1.4. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept, and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I have watched, I've witnessed, I'm so encouraged, the burden for this house in many of you. I have not seen such Stirring, passion, motivation. And, and, and many of you, I have not seen, 
seen what I'm seeing right now in years. It's like I asked somebody, would you do such and such? Yes. Huh? What? Yes. Huh? You don't have to pray about it, which is the polite no for a Christian. Yeah. Or I don't feel led. Oh, okay. Well, somebody give me a pencil. Here, rub the end of this pencil. My son Sam helping me preach. Many of you have a burden. You haven't said it this way, but this is what I've heard. Okay. During COVID, we learned to survive, but now we are going to thrive. We've got to have a burden for this house. We've got to have a burden for our mission, you guys. Secondly, after you have a burden, you have a vision. Andy Stanley says this, quote, Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be, fueled by the conviction that it should be. Vision is a preferred picture, a destination. Visions stand in contrast to the world as it is. All right, here's Nehemiah's vision. Nehemiah chapter 2. Chapter 1 was his burden. Chapter 2 is his vision. Then the king said to me, what do you request, Nehemiah? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it please the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my fathers, that I may rebuild it. Nehemiah knew exactly what he wanted to do. Do you? Do you know exactly what you want to do with your life? Do you know exactly what you want to do in your marriage? Do you know exactly what you want to do with your kids? Do you know exactly what you want to do in your ministry? Do you know what God is calling you to be and to do for him and his kingdom? That is what the leadership of any church is all about, is serving you by helping you find out what God is calling you to be and for you to do and then empower you to do that. That's why we're here. And one of the things the Lord will always talk to you about is building his church. It's what he is all about. He died for the church. He started the church, he's building the church, and he's coming back for the church. Period. End of story. There's no plan B. That's why Satan wants to try to get people to be de-churched, unchurched, hate the church. Because the church is the only threat to the powers of darkness on the planet. And every local church is an outpost of the kingdom of God. A battalion, an army, a family. That's why every church has got to be strong. That makes the church of San Diego strong. That's why I've developed friendships with my pastor friends around the city. It's like, I'm not competing with you. That's stupid. We have a city of 3.5 million people. How many of you got in your church? Then shut up. Let's do this together. Jeez Louise. We know exactly what we want to do. And here's what's great about Nehemiah. He was right next to the king, and the king had all the resources Nehemiah needed to fulfill his vision. Well, guess what? We're also right next to the king. And he's got all the supernatural resources we need to fulfill the vision he has for this house. It is time to rebuild. So what is our vision? 
Our vision is to rebuild the Gathering Place Church until it is a thousand strong. Not a thousand people strong, a thousand strong people. We started with seven people in my living room with no money, didn't we, hon? And Hope was white-knuckling it from the very beginning. <laughs> and so was I. We're like, what are we doing? But the Lord spoke to me and told me to pioneer a church. We got out a map and said, where? We were in East County in my living room. And the Lord very clearly put us in North County. And we have been serving this city ever since. And it is time to rebuild and fulfill that vision. But how are we going to fulfill that vision? I'll tell you a mistake I made early on. And that was emphasizing and focusing on the thousand instead of the one. And the Lord supernaturally adjusted my strategy. Talk about strength and strategy. Because what would happen is, I would be in church with you all, and I'd be thinking about the 800 who aren't here. That does disservice to you. With, that's immeasurable disservice. Or I'd be sitting in front of one person counseling them, and I'd be thinking about the 800 that, I'm not, that aren't sitting in front of me, which devalued and discredited the person in front of me. And the Lord adjusted me, and he showed me the way he rolled. Here's Jesus, the Son of God, coming down from heaven to save the entire planet. He's got three and a half years to pull off this supernatural feat. So what's he do? I must go through Samaria. I must go through Samaria. And he ends up talking to a woman in the middle of the day, just one-on-one. But her life was completely transformed. And through her, an entire town was saved. You see Jesus having one-on-one encounters all the time. If you and I were with him, we're like, Jesus, look, we only have three and a half years. Stop wasting your time talking to one person. That just took two hours. That's why the vision of our church is changing our world one life at a time. Because changed lives change the world. A changed husband will change a marriage. A changed wife changes a marriage. A changed boss changes the culture of a company. Changed people in churches change churches. Like my friend, I won't say his name, but he pastored a church without the supernatural his entire life. He was raised in seminary, not being taught in the supernatural. He thought supernatural, the signs, miracles, wonders passed years ago when the last apostle died. But then he started hungering for God, more of God and more of God's presence. And the Lord began to open his eyes. And he said to me, I cannot believe we interpreted the Bible the way we did all of these years. And the presence of God hit his church and miracles started flowing. And his whole church changed. He lost half of them. He went from 800 down to 400. But he didn't care. He changed, the church changed. You change everything. Your environment changes. The way you relate to people changes. The way you see people changes. This is what Jesus tries to get you and I to do every day of our lives. See people the way he sees people. We've got to get past how much we irritate one another. 
There's a, come on. Yeah. I mean, think about, think about the ones that Jesus ran with, the 12 that he chose. Lord, have mercy. At one point, he came down from the mountain and said, how long do I have to put up with you people? He actually did that, probably hands on the knees too. It's not easy to love the unlovable, but that's what we're called to do. Will Hoyt asked this week, he said, what is the one thing we do best. It better be loving people. The Bible says that if you don't love, you can have faith to move mountains. You can have all the knowledge in the world. You can give all your money away, but if you don't have love, you're a big fat zero in heaven's eyes. What do we do best? We love. We love Jesus. We love one another. We love the lost. That's what we do. And then we add power to that. Love and power. That's what we do. So the individual... Every person matters, but we're also developing a community of unconditional love and inviting people into it. That's what we're doing. And you're a part of this. You are what makes this church dynamic. You are the one that determines whether this church is a loving church and a powerful church or not. It's not me. I, 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 I can preach it and I can demonstrate it, but if you are not loving and powerful... This church will not be loving and powerful. Uh-huh. I got two amens, I think. I got it's right up here. And one's a visitor. Come on, y'all. You better catch up to the visitors now. I'll take the visitors and we'll start new. Here we go. We'll start over. Amen. I've, t- I've, t- I've told my, my Hope and I, when we got married, people were telling us how hard marriage is. We decided, you and I determine what our marriage is going to be like. Nobody else. You determine what your marriage is going to be like. When my kids were younger, we told them, you guys and we determine what our family is going to be like. We determine it. You in this room and you online that are part of this spiritual community, you determine what your church is going to be like. And that's point four, which I'll get to. I'm going to do point three real quick. I'm going to jump to point four. But I want to, I want to overemphasize this last point I made. We are going one life at a time. Every individual matters. And I'll tell you what happened to me. When that shift took place in me, and, I, and, and, and the thousand is the goal, but the one is the assignment. And if we will love the one well, we'll end up at a thousand strong people who are full of love and power. Can I hear an amen? amen. And what happened to me was when I made that shift, the person in front of me became my only focus, and they could feel it. And I'm going to tell you what happened to my joy. My joy went through the roof. Because this is the only thing that's real anyway. Right? That's why it's so important not to, not to focus on bringing the vision to pass. The vision brings you to pass. The man doesn't make the vision. The woman doesn't make the vision. The vision makes the man or the woman. God calls Joseph, gave him a vision, gave him an actual dream. Well, it was that vision that made Joseph into the man that could therefore fulfill the dream. Same with David, anointed to be the next king of Israel. He couldn't have been the next king of Israel at 17 years old. 
that vision made him become the greatest king Israel ever had. If you're frustrated because the vision God's given you hasn't come to pass yet, well, he's not making the vision, he's making you. So you can fit the vision, because the vision is a lot bigger than you. I started preaching a couple minutes ago. <laughs> Third thing, four keys to rebuilding anything. Number one is a burden. Number two is a vision. Number three is divine favor. I'm going to say something to you that's going to sound arrogant. It is not. The hand of the Lord is upon me. God's favor is on me. If it was not, I would not be doing this. It's not a prideful statement. It's a humble statement. And let me tell you something else. The hand of the Lord is upon you. The favor of God is on you. He is on us in this place. I'll retell you this very briefly. When I was fasting and praying uh, for our church and the future of our church, uh, someone said during my fast, they texted me, hey, what about the Lexus building? And I was like, oh, I've never thought about that. That's an interesting thing. to, You know, we were meeting in the park in uh, Rancho Penasquitas. The Lexus building, well, it's in a different part of the town, and, and it's, uh, okay. Well, during, during the fast, the Lord spoke very clearly to me that this year was going to be a year of his favor. I'm getting off that ramp right there, and I'm sitting at that stop sign, coming over to Lexus just to take a look at the place. And I looked down at my odometer, and it was 5555. Four. (laughs) Now, for those of you who don't know biblical numerology, five is is the number of favor or grace. And I thought, if that thing flips to five when I turn on, to that Lexus lot, that's that's going to just be so God. God can be so God sometimes, you know, how he orchestrates everything. I turned on to the the, the lot, and you know what happened, right? Five, 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 five. And then I met the GM, and his favor on us was like, he doesn't say no to anything. Can I have this? Yes. Can I do this? Yes. He goes, do you want this too? And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. It's like, what's going on here? The owner loves us being here. We've already been a blessing to this place. We're going to continue being a blessing to this place. And even one of their employees is getting baptized today. Come on. And her, and her dad, welcome, sir. Her dad is here. And, and who is this next to you? Is your, your mom and your dad are here and your brother. Let's welcome these guys here today. We had nine people signed to get baptized today. Two are Chris Jordan's twins, Chris and, Chris and Ashley Jordan. Yes. I called her Ashley Mancini a couple weeks ago, and they almost left the church, but I paid them, and they stayed. I told them they, had to, they didn't have to tithe for six months. I'm like, all right. Which actually would hurt them, so I would never say that. But anyway, um, yeah, who else is getting baptized? We have look at Michaela up here getting, say, or getting baptized today. Boy, it's been great watching Jesus just change your life. 
That is the vision. That is the product, by the way, if I can put it in business terms, crude terms. Changed lives is what we are all about. That's what Jesus is all about. Think about Jesus walking through the streets. Crowd of people, back to point uh, three, uh, point two, about the vision, every single life. Jesus walking through a crowd of people. And he looks up in a tree, and there's this little short guy. Even short people can make it into heaven. And there was a short guy up there in a tree. And Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. Tax collectors in that day were evil. They would come into your home, and they would take what Caesar wanted, but then they'd take whatever they wanted. He was a chief tax collector. They hated tax collectors in that town. Here's the chief tax collector. Jesus stops. Zacchaeus, I want to eat lunch at your house today. And they're like, what? You don't know him. We know, Jesus, come here. I'm going to tell you about this guy. And Jesus is like, oh, I know all about that guy. That's why I want to have lunch at his house, you self-righteous thing, you. I have come to seek and save that which is Heaven rejoices more over one sinner who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. We better not ever be a self-righteous church that thinks we're better than others. I was talking to a friend of mine who just took a church over in Poway last year. He said there were people that had been there for 50 years. And the marquee outside that church, every time I drive by it, I would cringe. It's like, oh, that's a horrible message to be given to the community. It would be something like, I don't know, you... Yeah, it, it was worse than that. It was like, it was. I can't even remember. Remember, I can't even remember some of the things they put out there. Something like, you know, the end is coming and you're not going to make it. You know, Je- Jesus hates this kind of person, that kind of person, that kind of person. Come here and you know, be you know, be saved. So these people sat in the back of the church like this, and my friend took over the church because he was preaching grace. Visitors would come in and they would not touch them. True story. I told him, he told me this last week over a cup of coffee. I said, you're making that up. He said, they wouldn't touch them. They said, they're unholy. I said, any of them still in the church? He said, no. I said, I, he goes, I tried and tried. I said, well, too bad. All right. Sometimes it's too bad. You just got to preach grace. And Anyway, Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. In the middle of lunch, one encounter with the Son of God, one lunch with the Son of God, Zacchaeus jumps up in front of all of his friends and says, if I've stolen anything from anybody, I give it back, and I give half of my wealth to the poor. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this house today. Changed lives is what changes the world. And that is what we are about, changed lives. God's favor is on us. Um, I'm going to tell you one small story about favor because you apply this to your life. I had a day last week, and I came home, and at the end of the day, about 10 p.m., I'm sitting there. My days go from about 7 to 10 p.m. every day. It's pretty much my work schedule. And I'm sitting there with hope, and I said, I want to live this day over and over and over and over again. Because the favor of God was so strong on me today, this is how I want to live. The Bible says the favor of a king is like the dew on the grass. It is just so refreshing. When God's favor is manifesting on your life, it is, oh, I mean, everybody says yes, 
Doors open, opportunities come. It's just like God just does it for you. How many of you want that? Come on. We're king's kids. We are king's kids. And so I'm going to be uh, very brief with this, and I'm going to wrap this up. But I just want to, I want to, I want to give you an example of God's favor on us. And so I, uh, you know, called Drew, the uh, general manager. I said, hey, can we do baptisms, you know, at Lexus, like maybe in the fountain out here, right? That's what I said. It's like, hey, man, be a creative problem solver. And Kenya said, no, that fountain is filthy. Because she, she sits right by it in a little kiosk, and she welcomes the visitors here every day. <laughs> She's not going to get baptized in that fountain. And so, and so Drew said, hey, I visited a church when I was on vacation with my family. They had a portable baptismal tank. I said, oh, I'm going to check that out. So I researched it, found a uh, portable baptismal tank that's being filled up right now as we talk. And it's coming in from Kansas or something. And then we needed a storage unit on the grounds here. And most places we have been as a church, they will not let you have a storage unit on the grounds. We have to have a storage unit way off. We have to have a truck. We've got to pack it up. These guys bring it up. And I said, uh, Drew, can we have a storage unit on the Lexus property? He goes, yeah, I think so. I was like, what? And so I've got the storage unit coming on a Wednesday, like three weeks out. And I don't know when the baptismal tank is going to show up. And it's going to be delivered here, so i got to be here. I, you know, the logistics are just ridiculous. And then I'm thinking, man, if they showed up on the same day, that would be great. And so I get a call from the trucker a few days before the storage unit is going to be here. And he says, yeah, I'm going to be in San Diego such and such day. He goes, I want to deliver it on this day. It was the exact same day that the, that the storage unit was going to be delivered. And this is like I ordered it six weeks ago. And it lands on the exact same day. I'm like, that is incredible. And I said, you know what would be great is if the storage unit showed up first and we got it in place. So when the baptismal tank comes, then we can put that in the storage unit. And that is exactly what happened. The storage unit shows up, we get it put in place, and then my phone buzzes, it's the trucker with the baptismal tank down. Now, you can think that's all coincidence, but I know better. That was the favor of God that's orchestrating things as you are serving him. That's how it works. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and I will add all this stuff to you that you're clamoring for, stressing out about. He's like, I control it all, I own it all. We're sitting next to the king. Divine favor is on us. And the fourth thing, four keys that will rebuild anything. One is you have to have a burden. Two, you've got to have a clear vision of what you're going to do about it. Number three, you need God's favor on it. And number four is participation. Nehemiah came to them, and this is what he said about the favor. He said to all the people, his congregation at the time, he came to Jerusalem, he checked out the devastation of everything, and he thought it's time to rebuild. Now I'm going to go talk to the people about it, which is what I'm doing today. I'm going to include you online. If you can come back to church, if there's nothing stopping you besides you just getting comfortable not being in church, get back in church. Nehemiah says this, Then I said to them, You see the distress we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, how the church of San Diego lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God which is upon me, and that it has been good. And also of the king's words that he spoke to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. That was their response. What is your response today? 
to this message. Thank you, Kelly, my new fave right here, my new bestie right here. Let's try this again. What is your response to this message today? Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. Everybody was all in. That's how it worked. And you know what? how, how well it worked? The enemy was saying to them, you're not going to be able to rebuild. I've had people actually say that to me, people that used to go to this church. You guys aren't going to reach your full potential. You guys aren't going to reach a thousand strong. That's not going to happen. That's the same thing the enemy said to Nehemiah. They said even if a squirrel runs on the walls you're trying to build, they'll collapse. And it's because they tried to intimidate and weaken the hands. That's what Nehemiah said, trying to weaken our hands. So what did Nehemiah do? He assigned every family to a portion of the wall. Every person that was part of that congregation did something to build the wall. And not only did they rebuild it, they rebuilt it in 52 days. It should have been a multi-year project. They did it in 52 days with the very burnt stones that were laying on the ground. Again, I told you they were compromised. Jesus uses broken people to build his church. You could be a chief tax collector. You could be the woman at the well. You can be the most lost, depressed, broken, addicted, hateful, racist, supremacist. Doesn't matter. You could even be a Republican or a Democrat. Even independents. You could be woke. You could be asleep. It doesn't matter who you are. The gospel cuts through all that crap and saves people. Our assignment is not political. Our assignment is not racial. Our assignment is not about pandemics. Our assignment, no matter what the heck is going on, is to bring the gospel to people so the power of the gospel can save their soul. That's what we do. And we have to put up with the rest. But don't get confused and get all caught up in it because you lose your focus on our calling. Take the gospel to the whole world. Tell them about me. Baptize them. Teach them how to follow me. That's our assignment, the Great Commission. So how can you participate? How can you rebuild the walls of this church? Four things. Number one, pray. The 30 for 30s. This is not a human effort assignment. This is a divine effort assignment. We partner with God. Jesus is building his church. So it's not like we're building the church and saying, Jesus, will you join us? No, he's building his church and we are joining him. It's a supernatural endeavor because Satan wants to take as many people to hell with him as he possibly can. That's a spiritual matter. You don't build churches on human effort. You build churches on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we pray, we pray, we pray. I do not do church without prayer. We pray every, every Sunday before church starts. We shut everything down at 920 and we pray for a half hour because we want the spirit to move. Not personality, not, not ingenuity, not impressive skills, not impressive songs. No, the spirit of the living God. So that's why we're doing the 30 for 30. So jump in and start praying. 
for your church. Pray for me. Pray for the leadership. Don't criticize us. We'll promise not to criticize you. Let's just pray for each other instead. Number two, serve. Get on the wall. Find a place to serve in this church. You want a good children's ministry? Volunteer in the children's ministry. Don't just say, wow, the children's ministry is not very good. Well, are you helping out? Uh, Let me pray about it. (laughs) The youth minister needs to be better. Well, are you volunteering in the youth ministry? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> that's a, that, what, that's a manifestation of a demon just coming out of you. The not, the, the I can criticize, but I'm not going to lift a hand to help demon. That's what that is. This church is going to be as powerful as you make it. You can't just sit back and criticize it. Roll up your sleeves and say, how can I help? Number three, give. There's no vision that can, that can reach its destiny without money. It doesn't matter if it's secular, sacred, nonprofit, profit, whatever. It needs money. I want to say thank God that we have every ministry fully funded, every missionary. We've, we've still provided for every missionary all the way through COVID because of you. But to reach a thousand strong, we got to give strong. And right now, even though we're here and we have a temporary release, this is not going to be our permanent home. We are going to actively search for a permanent home for us. And our goal is within the next year, we hope, the next year to find a place that we can lease that we can call our own. Amen? But you got to give. you got to give to the vision. We want to add more staff. We want to add more everything. And so you need to give, give, give. And number four, you've got to invite. Number one, you've got to pray. Two, you've got to volunteer. Number three, you've got to give. Number four, you've got to invite. I'm trying to give you some tangibles to do rather than just be inspired today and walk out of here and never come to pass. You say, why didn't that come to pass? Everybody that heard Nehemiah say we're going to rebuild, every single person joined the fray and they rebuilt. Invite. Don't say no to anybody for anybody. When I was 19 years old, I was empty. I certainly didn't think the answer was Jesus or the church. Uh, I grew up in, in uh, I grew up Catholic, and uh, when he started talking to me about Jesus, that was what I was remembering was I was a little kid. I went through CCD, and I went to an old guy Catholic high school, and it just didn't, I didn't connect. It didn't work for me. I wasn't looking for religion. I didn't know what I wanted. I was trying everything. And nothing would fill that hole in my soul. And I was working construction. This guy next to me invited me to church. I was like, nah. Well, you know, he, I guarantee you, looking at me at that time, like the person you would look at at school or the person you would look at at your work, you would look at them and you'd say no for them. Oh, no, they wouldn't want to go to church. You just said no for them and they didn't even get a chance to say no. Or maybe yes. Well, I said no. But he didn't stop. The next day, hey, I want you to come to my church. Nah, no. The next day, hey, I want you to go to my church. No. Next day, I want you to go to my church. I finally went to his church so he would shut up. That's how I went to church. You may think that you're here today because you're here to see somebody be baptized or because you just walked by and saw some group of people up here or for whatever reason it is. No, God called you here. God called you just like he called Zacchaeus. He called Zacchaeus out of a tree. He called you off the couch. 
He called you. He's calling you. He's calling you to himself, and he's calling you to his mission on the earth to build the church, save a city with me, the Lord says. You do not want to get to heaven and find out that you did not fulfill your calling while you were on earth. It is to build the church of Jesus Christ with the king himself. I finally went to church. After three times, I knelt down by my bed and I said, Jesus, I don't know if you're real or not, but if you're who those people down at that church say you are, I'm inviting you into my life. It was a church like this. It was full of love. It was full of joy. That's what captured you, wasn't it, Kenya? You said, I love the atmosphere. I love going there. I remember Kenya and, and Janet, the other guy that works here, the boss, they both came one Sunday, and they were supposed to rotate because they're employees here at the, at the Lexus Center. And the boss said, uh, Drew told me this, the GM. So your boss went to Drew and said, I asked them, why are you both here today? Only one of you is supposed to work. And they said, we love coming to this church. That's how I felt. I loved going there. Pray, serve, give, and invite. Invite your neighbors, invite your friends, invite your family members, invite your coworkers, invite your classmates. Don't be embarrassed of the gospel. Don't be embarrassed of your church. Once again, you're going to get to heaven, and you're going to realize you let embarrassment stop you from helping people go to heaven. Jesus is calling them and drawing them, and he needs you to reach them. It's human links. Invite, 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 invite. Don't say no for anybody. Let's pray, and then we're going to baptize. Because changed lives is what we are all about. What is it the Lord would call you to do today? Pray. Serve, let him talk to your heart. Give, bring. Lord, I ask for your presence to settle upon us right now. Renew your divine vision in our hearts. Call this Vision Sunday, Jesus, but unless you put your vision into us, it's nothing more than just me talking. Drop your vision for your church into your people's hearts. You told Haggai, you've been building your house, but you've been leaving mine desolate, and you did not like it. Lord, help us to reprioritize put you first your kingdom is our passion I'm asking you Jesus to make a deposit right now by your Holy Spirit into our hearts and our minds kingdom first take this church into her destiny We all ask you, Jesus, to give us your heart for the one, the barista at Starbucks, the 
person working at 7-Eleven behind the counter. The person on the street corner begging for money. Our cantankerous family member. Ourself. Jesus, give us your heart, your passion for every individual. Help us see them the way you see them. Unconditional love. I'm going to pray this last thing. Lord, I pray that you would well up and swell up a passion for this house inside of your people like we've never experienced before. Stir us, Lord, for your house. Stir us, Lord, for your city that you are trying to save. Stir us, Lord, your church, the church of San Diego. Raise up, rise up your church in this city, Lord, so she is brighter and more powerful, more giving, more loving than she has ever been in the history of this city. Encourage your pastors all over this county, Lord. Fill the churches with people who have found through COVID that all of their hopes have been lost. And may they turn to you, Jesus, finally. And may you fill this house to overflowing with people looking for Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. And amen. So here's what we're going to do. I love doing these baptisms on Vision Sunday because our vision has changed lives. And that's what baptism represents, changed lives. And so we're going to go, all of us together, we're going to go out the door where Ashley Mancini is. There's only one door, but she can wave. We're going to go out that way. We're going to take a left down right where the welcome sign is. We're going to take a left down the end door, inside hallway, all the way down to the other end of the building. We're going to walk up the stairs right to where we used to meet. And there's a baptismal tank up there. And we are going to baptize. If you have children, scoop them up along the way. All right, just get down the hallway, scoop them up, make sure it's your kid, and take them up. And we're going to do this together. It's going to be awesome. This will be online when we get upstairs for those online viewers. When we get upstairs, we're going to reconnect to Facebook Live, and you're going to be able to watch the baptism. And some of you got people being baptized, so I know you want to watch. <laughs>